Hola, so good morning. I'm actually quite happy this morning. <laughs> it's my job. It's I have to do that because today is the day for mudita. And if I came in and oh, okay, like that, that would not be very helpful. <laughs> We're going to talk about gladness today. <laughs> so I have to. And I'm going to give you the most bizarre talk on Mudita you have ever heard in your life. <laughs> really weird stuff came on television this morning. <laughs> so I'm going to start out in a really weird way. You'll have no idea. If you guessed for a thousand years, you would not know what I'm about to tell you. say. Really, it's totally weird. We've heard many times in the text, this is all woven together, all one piece. We've heard many, many times in the text uh, on this practice, for example, of settling the mind in its natural state. Or also in Dzogchen meditation, thoughts, have past, thoughts of the past have ceased. They no longer exist, right? Thoughts of the, f- the future has not yet arisen. So rest right there in the immediacy of the present moment and continue. You've heard that now many times, and it really makes sense, doesn't it? The past doesn't exist, right? Where is it to be found? And the future doesn't exist, clearly. Um, And the present is to be found? No? I came across, when I was translating this anthology of essays, on the interface between, really it was primarily Madhyamaka, Middle Way View, and Dzogchen. One point that really came out, or really struck me this time, like never before. There's a term in Tibetan, shikpa, 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 It means that which has ceased. That was literally, that which destroyed, that which has ceased, that which is stopped, that which has terminated. Very clear, yeah? And here's, and this is straight Madhyamaka. This is, and specifically, Prasangaka Madhyamaka. Okay? That which has ceased exists. And it exists, moreover, as a causally effective entity. Dua. Very strange. The past does exist. And moreover, it exists as a causally efficacious entity. That is, the past continues to produce effects. Now, if that's the case, I mean, I'm all, I really like symmetry. If the past exists, the present, of course, exists. I mean, this thing that's happening in the present, boo! And she smiled. Yeah, okay, that, I, I wanted to check. You know. <laughs> it worked. You know, so that, that works. But the future, look... You've you got to see something coming here. If the past is causally efficacious, something that's in the past, not just the past, but the past, so anything in the past that's no longer, that has ceased, it exists and is causally efficacious. In the present, yes, but you know what? You've got to fill in the blank space. The future has to exist too. And as causally efficacious. 
It's, there's got to be symmetry there. Now, remember, Einstein said time is an illusion. Altogether, a persistent one. Okay, so we have him chiming in. He knew a lot about time, although it remains a mystery. Majamaka, Nagarjuna knew a lot about time. The three times are all existent and causally efficacious. Now, I think I've quoted this nice little slogan. It's quite cute, but it's also very meaningful. From psychology, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Ever hear of that one? Yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's actually true. You know, go back and focus on different things of your childhood. We tend to focus on negative stuff. That's our, our habit, probably out of our survival instinct. But you can go back, and we've done this past, and then review, but I received that kindness, and that was a wonderful one. And then, you, and then the past will start having a different effect on you in the present as you selectively attend to aspects of the path that you find to be wise and helpful. Right? But that means the past is continuing to influence the present. Because you are. You see, what are you attending to? I'm attending to a time when my father, when we were coming back from Europe when I was 15, that was the time, I think. And he bought first-class tickets for the whole family. And we were not rich. But he just wanted to do something really, really nice for us. It was on, on ocean, ocean liner. I think that was the one. Going, we went on both, both ways. But I remember that. It was just so exceptionally kind. We were not wealthy, but he bought first-class for us on this long cruise through the Panama Canal up to California. And it was just so kind. He just wanted to do something really nice for his family. So, that just had an impact on me. But of course it took place 50 years ago. But it did just have, you saw, some motion come up. Why shouldn't it? Well, that's gratitude for a real act of kindness, selfless kindness. Because he, yeah. So, there it is. But now consider, we're in the midst of Vajrayana, right? What's the defining characteristic of Vajrayana that sets it apart from Sutrayana? You're taking the fruition as the path. Well, the fruition is in the future, otherwise you don't need to take it as the path. It's no longer the fruition if it's in the fruition. I mean, it's, they're talking about something that hasn't happened yet. If you're already a Buddha, you don't take the fruition as the path, you are the fruition. Well, how can you take something as the fruition if it doesn't exist? How can you take something in the future if it doesn't exist? It does exist in the realm of possibility, but that's as existent as anything else. A possibility is as real as a football. Possibilities have causal efficaciousness, right? And so the future can influence the present. The past influences the present. The present influences the past. Coming in from left field again, one, one aspect of quantum mechanics I was really exposed to a lot because my professor, Arthur Science, who remains one of my mentors, my primary mentor actually in physics, he works in quantum optics. He's, wor he's worked in the laboratory of Anton Seilinger. He knows you know, the who's who in this field. There's something called the delayed choice experiment. Incredible. It's weird. It's quantum mechanic weird. And that is you can have a, a light beam traveling through space that could have come you know, from a very distant place. And it could follow this, tra this trajectory or that trajectory. And you make a measurement at some point in time. And then the type of measurement that you make determines the trajectory that that light beam took. And you make the measurement, and then that's retroactively true. And, it can, and they've done this in the laboratory. 
is not hypothetical. This is what Anton Seininger does for a living. Weird stuff. <laughs> he's, like, he's like a superstar in Austria. And he's also such a lovely man. But in quantum mechanics, this is well known. A measurement you make in the present can actually influence the past. Make a different measurement, and now that past is different. Make another this measurement, and it's different, and this different. But once you've made it, then it's set relative to that measurement. Then that past is set. But if you know, a moment later you make another measurement, then that past is set. This is a theme that keeps on cropping up, right? I think it's profound. We can change our past by making a different measurement. And the past rises up to meet us in a different way and influences us differently in a different way. Because you, when you make that measurement, in the, you can check this on Google, delayed choice experiment, quantum optics. There's lots of material, and it's scientifically well-established, not hypothetical. Right. So you can be choosing right now, as Stephen Hawking said, set up a different set, set of measurements and different set of questions, and you can choose your history of the universe and there's no one that's right. They're not approximating the one right one. There is no one right one. It's empty. But if you can do that, then clearly the past is empty of inherent nature. If it's rising only relative to your system measurement and the set of questions and the conceptual framework you're posing. Right? But then the notion that the future could be influencing the present. Well, of course. If you were that light beam coming towards the Earth and the trajectory you're following depends on the measurement that's going to happen in 300 years, then from your perspective, as that light beam coming in, that measurement taking place in the future is going to determine whether you went this way or that way. Whether right, right, whether right now you're going this way or that way, based on the measurement there. And of course, if there is no measurement, you neither exist nor don't exist. Right? You're empty. So... That's really a shocker. The past exists to the same extent that the present exists, to the same extent that the future exists, and they're cause, all causally efficacious. And none, no, no one of those three is more real than the other. Now, from the perspective of Rigpa, <laughs> they're all occurring at the same time. Then they must be empty. Because from Rigpa, the three times are seen simultaneously. So likewise, I was thinking of the name of the first karmapa. If only the present existed, then the first karma could not be called Dusun Kempa. The knower of the three times. He'd be called Duji Kempa. <laughs> He'd be called knower of the one time, <laughs> but he's not. The Buddhas are often referred to as knowers of the three times. Because as they say, they perceive, they don't infer, they don't recall, they don't Im imagine. They see the three times like as you directly with perception, non-conceptually, like you can see a pearl in the palm of your hand, all three together simultaneously. Uh, there, there are questions that arise from that that I want to address right now. Uh, it does not imply, I'll just say this, and we, if we have time later we can talk about it, it does not imply, oddly enough, paradoxically enough, it does not imply predetermination. Predeterminism. It does not imply there's no free will, that you're just a cog in the machine, and Buddha's seen how the whole machine turns out. But that's not the case. But it's not the case from quantum mechanics either. Very interesting. So now, what does this have to do with mudita? We're well into the retreat now. And now that we're coming into, we're now within the last two weeks of the retreat. We're not 
just coming towards the finish line, but definitely if this were a horse race, we're coming around the back stretch, around the, around the hope stretch. So there's seconds and seconds and seconds to go, but you know we can now see, oh, there, there's the finish line. I'm, I'm coming. It's, it's not back there. It, it, it's over there. It's in front of us now. Let's practice this mudita, and we will do a practice together this morning. I'm going to wrap this up soon. You know me soon is <laughs> any time within a couple of hours or days, you know, weeks or months, you know, time is an illusion after all. <laughs> so you always take soon to be relative, and you know when it's relative to me, it's not very short. <laughs> hmm. It's not too soon to anticipate the future, life beyond death in Aru- Aralun. By the way, I thought you'd find this very profound. Aralun. Aralun, if you make an anagram out of it, it's Ru Alang. <laughs> Aren't I clever? <laughs> so for two weeks, two more weeks, this is Alan's way. You know, Ru Alang. And then it's just Aralun, because you know, the entropy just it talks, and just then it's just a retreat center. So to let the future influence your past, why not? And let your past influence the present in a benevolent way, a warm and friendly way, a kindly way, one that gives you joy. Why not? The notion that we can choose to be happy is a novel idea. It's one that, it's an ability that needs to be exercised. You can't just wake up one one day and say, I think I'm going to start right now, and then suddenly be happy. And at times of adversity, of course, it's very hard. The death of a loved one when you're seriously ill, have financial travails, so interpersonal crises, economic, environment, and so forth. Clearly, life is going to keep on dishing up what it does, right? It's called dukkha for a reason. In the midst of that, it is possible to flourish, even in the midst of what others regard as dukkha. So to anticipate, to anticipate, and to take joy in your own future as you create it, as you envision it. Why not? To look back on your past with eyes attending to the kindnesses of others, the joys of others, the virtues of others, and the virtues of yourself. That brings joy to the present moment. You can attend to the past, and the past can influence you to arouse joy. You can attend to the future in a way that arouses joy, and it's reality-based joy. It can be. And it can be for one simple reason, and that is, each of us has Buddha nature. If you want to be happy for the rest of your life, just dwell on that. Dwell in that. Dwell around that. Dwell. Your pristine awareness. So we'll just have a couple of short quotes here. They came out this morning, and they made me happy. Just first two one from the seven point mind training. I always go back there. That's my basket. That's the basket that holds all my Dharma practices. Atisha, voice emanation of Padmasambhava. Just two lines. Meditate on the kindness of everyone. Meditate on the kindness of everyone, including those who rob you, cheat you, betray you, steal, lie, manipulate, and so forth. 
And how you do that? By transforming everything that happens to you into Dharma, into compassion. That is the richer understanding of Dharma. Then whatever's coming up, you develop this digestive, this enormous digestive capacity, and you can digest whatever comes along, and you turn it into Dharma. You turn it into renunciation. You turn it into refuge. You turn it into compassion. You turn it into equanimity. You turn it into courage. But you just turn. You become an alchemist of life. You. You, you move in the direction of being able to digest everything that life presents to you, puts on your plate, and you look at it, and you say, I can eat that. And you start with the easy stuff. You don't start, you don't have your first day the day that you learn that you have terminal cancer. You don't start then. That's tough. That's too hard. Start the day that a big truck's roaring down the road there, and it's putting on its air brakes right when your meditation's got to a sweet spot. <laughs> That's the time. You should be able to handle that one. That's not torture. That's not starvation. That's not terminal cancer. That's the sound of a truck. You know. And to see that not as simply something to tolerate, but something to assimilate. You know? And everything. Start with easy. I haven't memorized much of Bodhisattva. I memorized three chapters a long time ago, but you know, that's when I was young. But some little fragments <laughs> of information still remain. There is nothing that does not become easier through familiarization. So start now. Really start working out in the mental gym now with those little nuisances, those little irritations, those little frustrations, those mildly irritating people those kind of bad days, and turn the bad days into, why not? If you've got a choice, turn it into a happy day. This was a good day for Dharma. What reality threw up at me was really crappy, but I transformed it. Imagine you're a mountain climber. I did a bit of rock climbing a long time ago. I climbed to the top of Mount Whitney in California, going up the face. That was very, I felt very good at the end. Because you look at it. Anybody seen Mount Whitney from the face? It looks pretty awesome. It turns out to be only a, a class four climb, which is not much. They have class, I know, 10 and 11, I think. But you look at it, it looks pretty awesome. Because it's just, it's, it's, this is in California, the highest mountain in the 48 states. You know, so it's a local thing. But it's a pretty awesome mountain. And you look at it as you're looking at it f to the west. And there it is, it's spiring granite. And it's steep. And I was with two friends of mine who were good rock climbers, and they took me along. And we went right up the face, up crevasses, right up to the peak. When you get at the, t at the top, it's just quite an exhilarating feeling. And then we just walked down the trail the back way, you know. But going up, it's kind of like, we, I'm glad I did it that way. That I didn't just hop in a jeep. You can't, but, you know, I didn't get on a horse. I didn't, no, I, I kind of, that was a good challenge. I enjoyed that. Rock climbers, Look for tough climbs. Imagine you got a, a world-class rock climber, and you bring them to an Australian hill. You know, one <laughs> one of the peaks in the Blue Mountains. We call them California bumps, but I think you still call them mountains. Okay. If you went to one of those bumps, or in Kansas they have little bumps here and there, you know. If you brought a world-class climber, you know, who's done Everest and K K2 and whatever and whatever, you say, come to Kansas, we, we got, come to Kansas, we've gotten something for you. And you show them the highest peak in Kansas. 
and, and why did you bring me? I know it's easy, but why did you bring me here? You know, it'd be kind of like, oh, like that. Mountain climbers look for the gnarly ones. They look for, you know, Half Dome and Yosemite. They look for El Cap, you know, they look, you know, they look for the tough ones. Dharma should entail the kind of courage, the kind of gladness to accept the tough ones, the tough climbs. Otherwise, you're not a rock climber. You're out for a stroll. What you really want is a deva realm. You know. And so, meditate on the kindness of everyone, whether it's his holiness giving an empowerment for Kala Chakra, whether it's your next door neighbor's dog that just won't shut up. If you only had nice people around you, that's a deva realm and you're not going anywhere. You're developing what's called cloistered virtue and it's weak. It's really, really weak and you'll never get anywhere. We need the difficult days. We need the ups and the downs, you know. And then let your response be ups and ups and ups. Reality dishes all kinds of stuff and that's whoever you are. Buddha, Jesus, whoever you are. Ups and downs, good days, bad days. If you went to Jesus, you know, during the last two weeks of his life and said, how's it been going? Ups and downs. <laughs> you know, Judas gave me this kiss. Not quite sure what that was about. <laughs> Sorry, I, mean, I really absolutely mean no disrespect. I am making a factual statement that whoever you are, whoever you are, they're going to be what reality dishes up from what everybody else can see, good days and bad days. And the, to be a Dharma practitioner means you're assimilating and you meditate on the kindness of everyone at all times. Do your very best and start where it's easy and then work up from there until you're looking for the, you know, the really gnarly climbs. You're looking forward to them. Right? So there's one. And then in Tibetan, I still like the Tibetan, Yite Bashi Gyundu Den. Yite Bashi Gyundu Den. Always devote yourself to mental well-being. Just sustain that as your ground state. It's a choice. It's a choice. What reality dishes up is not a choice. How we respond to it, knowing that we have a choice to respond with a sense of well-being. To embrace it, to be content with it, to be happy to have the opportunity to practice. That's a choice we can make. That is mudita. And finally this one, and then we're going to go right to the meditation. This is from the Vajra Essence. When I first read this, I, I knew I'd never read anything like it before. I'd never. And I'm not a great scholar, but I have read a number of books by now. And I'd never seen this anywhere. This is a direct quote from Vajra Essence, right towards the beginning. It's there in the uh, Stilling the Mind in that book. But here it is, just straight Vajra Essence. And this is Mudita. And that's where we'll stop. We'll go right in meditation with not a lot of talk during, okay? Because I think you should have plenty to work with. Due to excellent karmic connections from the past. So that's the past influencing the present, right? Due to excellent karmic connections from the past, now you have obtained a precious human life with freedom and opportunity. And you've encountered the most sublime of dharmas, the secret mantra, Vajrayana. This is no time to hold on to the hope of accumulating merit over a long period until you finally attain enlightenment. Rather, you must apprehend the ground of your own being for yourself by experiencing the intrinsic nature of the Sugata Garbha, the primordial ground that is the path to liberation in this lifetime. 
apart from this, the teachings that say that state of liberation arises from accumulating much karma from one life to another are effective for bringing about temporary happiness in the minds of beings. But enlightenment in this way is extremely difficult. Consider that such teachings may have a merely provisional meaning. The whole notion of striving for three countless eons. Maybe it wasn't quite meant literally. That to my mind is incredibly profound. Let's meditate. Beginning with the devotions. Namo Lama Deshe Dupe Ku Kunjo Sungi Ranjin La Datan Dodu Semjin Nam Chanju Badu Kapsu Chi Namo In the Lama who is the embodiment of the Sugatas of the nature of the three jewels, I, together with the beings of the six realms, take refuge and tell our enlightenment. Semkendoa kundundulama sangye dupnene Kangla Kandu Tinle Kido Dewa Damjao. For the sake of all beings, I generate the spirit of awakening and cultivate the realization of the Lama as Buddha. By means of enlightened activity, I shall train each being according to their needs, and I vow to liberate the world. Yam In the northwest frontier of Odiana, in the heart of a lotus, sits the one renowned as Padmasambhava, who achieved the wondrous supreme city and is surrounded by a host of many dakinis. Following in your footsteps, I devote myself to practice, 
please come forth and bestow your blessings. Guru Pamasiti Hung. If you wish to switch positions, please do so now. With a sense of the emptiness of your own identity, of your mind, your body, and your arising from this sphere of emptiness and Buddha nature, pristine awareness, in this purified form, translucent, insubstantial, luminous and pure. From the perspective of your own perfection, attend to the reality of the past and those throughout the course of your lifetime who have shown you kindness in a myriad of ways that have enabled you to come to this point here and now in your life, a point of such infinite potential for your own happiness and joy. Attend to them. Take delight in the kindness of others and in your own virtues that have brought you to this moment.
With every out-breath, breathe out this light from your heart. And let this light of gladness, light of appreciation and of gratitude, of rejoicing, flow out to yourself and to all those who have contributed to your own well-being thus far. Come to rest for a little while in the present moment. Rest there in the X that marks the spot, this present awareness, this ordinary consciousness, which is suffused already by your own pristine awareness of the very nature of immutable bliss and rest there for a little while, basking in the warmth of the purity of your own awareness.
then let, let the light of your awareness flow out right now, here and now, to the world around you, outside your body. Illuminate your environment and those who dwell within it as you attend to your mandala. And take delight, again, a sense of appreciation, of gratitude, of rejoicing. In all those here and now, make this precious opportunity possible. Take delight in your own virtues, your own actions, that have enabled this, contributed to this. This never happens alone. Take delight in all of your Dharma siblings, your brothers and sisters here, whether you're here, you're here in Aralun, whether you're elsewhere, attend around to those who enable you to be doing what you're doing right now. With appreciation, with gladness, to those who are consciously deliberately helping you, supporting you in your practice. But as you expand the field of light of your awareness, then embrace everyone else who directly or indirectly, in the past, the present, or the future, contribute to your well-being here and now. support you in your practice, even if they've never heard of you and don't know who you are. Still, we rely upon them. Without them, this is impossible. Attend to the kindness of everyone. Now look to your own future. Now make this specific, unique, personal. And wherever you are, whether you're here in Aralun or anywhere on the globe, anticipate the reality of the future, what lies ahead. You're the artist, you're the author. You're the musician, what do you want to play? How would you love for your life to turn out? this and future lives. What's the story that brings you gladness? What's the story that brings you to your full potential, the greatest possible meaning? Make it specific. And take delight in your own creation. Breathe the light of your awareness into this vision, inviting it 
As you call upon the blessings of the Guru and all the Buddhas, may it be so, may it be so. Empower it. Realize it. With the light of your awareness as you invite this vision into the world of actuality, step by step, all in good time. Enjoying the process and not only the result. This is key. Take the light here and now. In the joy you will experience in the future as you follow this path to its culmination. And take the light here and now in the joy, the liberation, the freedom, the bliss you'll bring to others. Here and now. Tend to the others throughout the world, each helping in their own unique way. Take delight in the virtues of others, helping people find hedonic well-being, leading them on the path to their own eudaimonic well-being in a myriad of ways. And take delight in each one. a great symphony of virtue.
for the remaining few minutes of this session. Release all objects of the past, of the future, and even of the present. And rest your awareness in this present that transcends the three times, that's not locked into, not crammed in the tight space between the past and the future, but rest in the present that has no beginning and no end, that is temporarily as vast as space with no boundary. Rest there in a stillness beyond movement, beyond coming and going. where bliss is unchanging.
on. That's all. Enjoy your day. You know I mean it. See you later. <laughs>